Hey everyone, so today I bring you a special bonus episode. Today's guest is Chris Hall, founder of the rather awe-inspiring Burnt Chef Project, a non-profit campaign and clothing brand operating within hospitality to challenge mental health stigma. I'm not dressing this one up in my usual light-hearted tongue-in-cheek way, as frankly there's nothing tongue-in-cheek about this topic. Nevertheless, Chris talks about this subject with great knowledge and passion, and I try my best to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. But in all seriousness, it's a subject that none of us should be sweeping under the carpet and should be working on more ways to talk openly about it. A massive thank you to Chris for sharing his story so openly and for starting what I think is just an incredible community. One last thing, a huge apology to my mum for the bit where I got a bit sweary. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the, uh, well, a special episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. So our bonus today takes us into the world of mental health. And so I'm delighted to welcome the founder of the Burnt Chef Project and also nose to tail photography, Chris Hall. Hi, Phil. Thanks very much for having me. You're very, very welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you. The uh, The sun is shining here in Somerset. So, uh, the, you know, starting to look up now. It's It's looking cheery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're in the the the, the, the beginning of beginning to mid of April, I suppose. Spring is threatening to arrive, isn't it? I think we've got snow again this weekend. So there we are. <laughs> put a on things. It's teasing us. Yeah, I know. But uh, you know, you take every opportunity for what it is. Get the sled out, and then uh, you know, in a week's time, it will be twenty five degrees again. So you know, we we can brace this last yeah. bit. I like your your positive mental attitude. That's I like that. I was going to ask you where you are, but you're in Somerset. I didn't realise you were you were based there. Yeah, so I'm a Bournemouth boy, born and bred, but I moved up to Somerset about uh, probably about nine years ago now, actually. Yeah, I was, I was dragged up here kicking and screaming by my wife once we had our first child. She wanted to be back back on the farm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm now landlocked, which is a, a bit of a strange thing for someone who you used to live sort of only 10 minutes away from the beautiful Bournemouth beach. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Great stuff. Well, before we get into what you're doing now, there's always a story behind how you arrive, where you get to. So if you could take us all the way back to the, the beginning of your career and just talk us through how you've ended up doing what you're doing. Certainly, no problem at all. So, oh, crikey, where do I begin? So my, my background is, rather surprisingly, I, I was never a chef. My background actually in sales and marketing, and I've been doing that ever since I left college at the age of well, 16, 17, you know, from working in a retail a convenience store all the way through to, you know, selling plasmas when they first came out and then working in mechanical engineering, working in insurance. So I've, you know, my, my time in hospitality has been um, relatively short in comparison to many. So whilst I was working in the insurance industry, I was working in some busy bars down, down in Bournemouth. Uh, and I did that sort of moonlighting for about two years just to earn a bit of additional cash. And that was my first mm. real introduction into hospitality. But it wasn't until I moved up to Somerset uh, and I needed to find a job more local to myself that I ended up working for a food wholesaler, uh, supplying some of Bath and Bristol's best, you know, best fine dining restaurants. And, you know, I came into this industry not really knowing much uh, about the industry, didn't really know much about food. I wasn't even sure what the technical term for pepper was. And when people started talking about capsicums, I, I you know, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say I, I didn't know what they were talking about. Um, I didn't realize that was a, a technical term. I just thought it was a, an Americanism. Well, yeah, I suppose it's the same as zucchini, isn't it? And, you know, they, these sort yeah, of things. cilantro. Cilantro, yeah. And, in, and you know, I was well out of my depth. I, I took a job in sales because I thought I was, you know, the next uh, Wolf of Wall Street and I could sell anything. And I very quickly, <laughs> you know, walked into the fires of a, a busy kitchen, not really knowing my stuff and, and for the first couple of months getting eaten alive. So I made it my mission to really throw myself into hospitality as much as I could, like learn everything, you know, spent time with suppliers, spent time with chefs, you know, worked in some kitchens, you know, for free, just to learn a little bit more about what goes on, how it works. And I fell in love with the industry, really. And, and you know, that started a, a four year career at one wholesaler, I ended up taking on a sales and marketing manager position for another wholesaler back down in Bournemouth. So ironically, I was commuting from Somerset down to Bournemouth every day of the week, which was a you know, it's a well, two hour each way trip. Um, wow. And I yeah. did that for another four years. So I surrounded myself, you know, I built up a, a fantastic network of uh, friends and also clients who 
you know chefs front house general managers and it gave me a it gave me a great great scope really of what the hospitality industry is about and you know how different businesses operate and most importantly the individuals that work within them and you know I just, I've, I've fallen deeply in love with hospitality and for me I I well, I never got into hospitality to talk about mental health, but it, uh, it sort of threw itself into my path when I, in my late 20s. So I've, I've had two, two instances in my lifetime that I've had severe sort of mental illnesses or mental health issues. Uh, the first being when I, when I was 17 and I was quite, well, I didn't know at the time, but I was quite severely depressed. You know, I was constantly waking up crying and couldn't go to... I quit college. I couldn't work for a certain period of time because I couldn't physically get out of bed. And I just felt this cloud was over me every single day. No real reason. Uh, I hadn't had any sort of childhood traumas or hadn't had anything you know, disastrous happen to me, but something had happened within my brain and I started overthinking and it took me down a deep rabbit hole that it took me about a, sort of 18 months to get back out of. Wow. Was there a, a, a moment where you kind of were were snapped out of it? Was there a, real, a realisation... I need help or I need to, to, to figure out what's going on here? Or did you just kind of think your way out of it, as it were? Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, I mean, when I fell into the depression, it was it, it was a very... And now knowing what I know about mental health and mental illness, it was a, it's as clear as day as to the reason why I became depressed. But uh, I remember, you know, sat in secondary school in, in one of my last classes and I started pondering the the purpose of life and the existence of human beings and I came to the decision that there wasn't any point purpose to being alive and uh, I remember my exact location I remember the wall I remember where I sat in this classroom and I just suddenly suddenly dawned on me that there was absolutely no point and as a result I was just a useless you know useless being that combined probably that that lack of purpose combined with uh, you know puberty and hormones sent me down a down a very very dark road and you know I was I was in the depths of uh, ex- extreme depression quite severe paranoia as well my sister dragged me out to the shops one day and I sat I couldn't go into any of the shops and it was a busy shopping center and uh, I sat outside with a hoodie over my head because every single person that walked past was looking at me goodness yeah very very strange situation I didn't you know I didn't know what was going on and, and many people who are struggling with their mental health and, and find themselves in similar situations again probably slip into it but much unknown as to, to why that's that's happening to them but uh yeah I, I remember just one day I just I was fed up with the way that I felt and there was two ways there was you know the easy way out which was you know going through with some of the the darker thoughts in my head or challenging myself to to get up and get better and start taking some small steps forward. So I did just that after an extended period of time feeling rubbish. I thought, right, today, you know, I don't feel like I've got much strength, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go, you know, and get dressed or maybe just even have a shower for, you know, for a change. From then on, I just slowly started to crawl out of this this well that I was in by just daily just increasing the amount of activities I was doing I guess the you know uncomfortable situations that I was in you know really challenging mm. the anxiety and challenging that feeling so yeah it wasn't a quick fix and every single day you take a small step further away from that black cloud you've been under for a while right yeah well, I suppose any step forward is a is a is a great move in a situation like that and I, I you know and I suppose thankfully you you did pick the the perceived more difficult option when i'm sure a lot of people do do turn to the easy option yeah i mean i think as as men you know certainly more men without stereotyping we tend to be problem solvers and when we're faced with a problem especially one that we're facing alone in our own head we tend to find solutions and those solutions are permanent solutions to temporary problems so you know i i I, I just was fed up. I was completely fed up. I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling anymore. And, uh, you know, I, I chose to, to really challenge myself. Um, and, I, and I think that's been my mindset ever since then. I, I always feel like pushing myself and putting myself in uncomfortable situations because for me, I feel, I feel it's a good opportunity to grow. And, and that level of 
use stress helps me develop as an individual uh, and build my resilience. And, and that's been really my lesson learned from that age. But, um, you know, this this didn't make me impervious to, to mental, mental illness. Um, I constantly carried that uh, lurking feeling behind me that at any moment I could go back into that. And have, you know, there have been times where I've come close. But I think for me, why and to sort of bring the story on and to sort of explain why I started the Blanchet project whilst I was working in in my last employment you know I was very successful um, I built the company up millions of pounds I, I built a, a team a very a good team good friends loyal friends everything was great you know I was captain of a rugby team I had two children I was happily married we had money in the bank everything was absolutely fine but uh I was not happy in myself right. and I was doubting everything I was doing. And this is when I was about 29 and I was doubting everything. And it, it culminated in me going home one day and asking my, my unbeknown wife for a divorce and, and, you know, saying, I'm leaving you, I'm leaving the children. I don't belong here. I, you know, I don't fit in anywhere. I'm not liked all this sort of stuff, this real, wow. you know, this real negative self view. To which she looked at me blankly and was like, you know, where's this coming from? We don't understand this. And it was at that point out of, out of again, desperation, I guess, I thought, well, I need to go see a therapist. If, if anyone's going to fix fix me because I'm damaged, I'm broken, and everyone else is walking around with nothing going on in their head and here's me with all these thoughts, I need to go and see a, see someone who can, who can fix it, who can turn this switch off and clear my head out and allow me to be just wandering around with air in my head. So... Um, Without telling my wife, without telling my employer, booking fake appointments in my diary, I went and got to see a cognitive behavioural therapist. And I sat down with her and she said, you know, why are you here? And I said, well, I've got, you know, thoughts in my head and I don't belong and I don't, you know, I don't know who I am and all this sort of stuff. And she said, well, let's, you know, let's get to the bottom of that. But she, and I said, one of the first questions I asked her was like, you know, I must be broken because no one else has these thoughts going on. You know, everyone else is quite stoic and smiley and happy and I want to be like them and she says Chris everyone has thoughts going through their head yeah but they don't talk to you just because they don't talk to you about it doesn't mean it's not happening and that you know in my initial session was was like this whole like paradigm shift and I was like oh you know for years I've been looking even since my teenage years I've been looking at other people and wondering why they didn't have the same thoughts and concerns and worries that I did and call it naivety call it you know lack of awareness because of the stigma and people not talking about you know not wanting showing signs of vulnerability or weakness but I genuinely you know even until my late 20s thought that everyone else was just blissfully wandering around without any problems so after a brief spell with her it came to a conclusion that I'd really, you know, since my early depression, I hadn't really established many core values for myself, hadn't really worked out what I was doing. So I went on a voyage of self-discovery for, for two years. Yep. Learned as much about psychology as possible, learned how my brain was working, spent time investing time into myself, into more business studies, you know, listening to loads of TED Talks, just really trying to develop and learn and become more self-aware as possible and then that that led me to wanting to try and raise some awareness for mental health and I worked in hospitality I was doing commercial photography on the side as well and I thought you know what let's take some photos of some chefs uh, just to raise awareness for mental health and you know we know that alcoholism and there's high divorce rates in hospitality so this will be a nice thing to do yeah and so so that was it, really. Then from then on, the last sort of 18 months has been a bit of a whirlwind. But, you know, from, from twisting my mate's arms to have their photos taken and them saying, oh, you know, happy to have my photo taken, but uh, what's it for? And I say, oh, yeah. it's, for, it's for mental health. And they're like, no, no, we're not interested then. We don't, we, don't want, we don't want the photo taken. We don't want our names or faces represented by, by this particular subject matter. And like a red rag to a ball, that pushed me on to, to get as many people photographed as possible and it soon turned the tide and we found that rather than me having to ask people to have their photo taken I was getting contacted by people to have their photo taken and yeah from from then on it sort of developed really yeah I got 18 months doesn't seem like that long ago really especially I suppose in a 
you can basically you know scratch the last year from existence right but the um what have you achieved in that time because the it, from the look of your website it feels like quite a lot yeah i guess it is when you compare it to what's been done in the industry previously and that's not meant in any arrogant terms but i think what we're we're looking at so i was working full time I started off with a, a conversation with the local mine down in Bournemouth and we you know, invited 25 people. We got 65 turn up to listen to the, a conversation about mental health. This was back in October 2019. Mm. From then, I furloughed myself. I furloughed my team because, you know, the, the hospitality industry was hit quite badly come March of 2020. Yep. And so for me, again, starting to, to feel that, that fog and that cloud start to come back over me due to everything that was going on, I threw myself into building up the Burnt Chef project and really trying to help others. So yeah, over that, over that period of time, we've achieved a great few things. Um, so not only have, you know, the, the Burnt Chef project, I should probably interject and just explain a little bit what about the Burnt Chef project, but obviously the, the main premise of the Burnt Chef project is that we raise awareness for mental health issues within hospitality. We do that through branded merchandise. We also do that through awareness, building awareness, open conversations, and most importantly, the money that's raised through the sales branded merchandise goes towards our, not just our ongoing work, but training uh, and educating individuals and, and teams and businesses and students as well. Yep. So since the really in March of last year, uh, we have raised enough money to train 600 students in mental health awareness, which myself and my ambassador, Adam Simmons, has, have done via Zoom, well, just really over the last four months. We have trained... That's incredible. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was a lot of work there. You know, sometimes training two colleges a day, you know, covering anywhere between 17 to 150 students in a session. Yeah. That, that was a lot of work, but it was well worth it. And the feedback was fantastic, especially from the lecturers and the, and the students combined. So we did that. We've raised some money, well, quite quite a decent amount of money to be able to pay for mental health first aid training. So we've put probably close to 50 people through mental health first aid training at £400 per person. We have instigated the Burnt Chef Support Service, which is a free 24-hour text-based service for anyone within hospitality whether that's supply chain, front of house, back of house, general manager, housekeeping, you name it. If you're related to hospitality, this is a free text-based service that you can contact 24 hours a day and you'll have a trained volunteer text you back within five minutes. Wow. God, that, that sounds like a massive undertaking to, to get off the ground. Yeah, I think we've been quite lucky, really. I, and I use the term we, so my wife helps me part-time. We were contacted by uh, Mental Health Innovations, who run the very successful Shout service. And they had come to me and said, look, you know, we we understand the work you're doing. We value the work you're doing. And you're reaching a demographic of people, both males and also hospitality, that we can't get into currently. Would you be prepared to work with us? Here are, here are the costs of doing so. Right. And I looked at, looked at the costs and the costs, you know, it's expensive. We're talking thousands of pounds a year here. And I didn't have that money spare kicking around but i knew in my gut that it was the right thing to do it was like you know i as i get older i believe that the universe points you in these in these directions and i've started trusting my gut instincts over the last two years and my gut mm. told me it was a good thing to do so i said yeah let's just go for it um i'll work out how to pay you later on yeah. <laughs> said every great business owner ever <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think there's, there is a lot of that. And a lot of the people that I've listened to who I've not met directly, but I would consider mentors, you know, podcasts and books that I've read are all about pulling the trigger. And I mean that in a metaphorical sense, like, you know, in order for us to achieve great things in life, we have to take risks and we have to yeah. commit first and figure it out later. But in order to do that, you need to be well educated in terms of the subject matter or you need to be able to have know enough about the, the core principles like you know you couldn't come out of school and just say yes to something and and like figure it all out because you need to understand how to move forward and carry that momentum but mm. you know i saw there was an opportunity it's all very well and good raising awareness and you know establishing a community where we're all talking about mental health openly but it's not supporting those who are in trouble and who need help 
Um, yeah. So for, for me, you know, Shout existed already, Samaritans existed already, but there was still such a strong stigma that hospitality weren't using those systems. So I had it white labeled. We've set it up as the Burnt Chef Support Service. We use their trained advisors and clinical psychologists to be able to run the service. And then all of a sudden, the industry sort of started to adopt it as their own and, and use it because it's branded for them. So I was very, I was quite lucky with regards to that. Right. Yeah. And what? But then um, I, I suppose is it one of these things that the more people start using it, of course, then it starts sort of raising awareness as to what you you're doing in a kind of wider sense as well, and and it just kind of starts to gradually feed itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, f- for me, very early on, I wanted the Burnt Chef project to be synonymous with mental health and hospitality. I wanted to the you know the nonprofit to be the leading voice of mental health, and to do that, I needed to have a support service in place that was available to help people, whether they were you know feeling lonely, depressed, struggling with alcoholism, you know, or just even struggling to sleep because they've got uncomfortable thoughts running through their head. This was here to be able to provide support. So we produce workplace posters. Every single order that goes out through the shop has a leaflet in there that they can put up in a workplace as well. So organically, it does help promote the work the Burnt Chef Project does. But more importantly, you know, without any ego with this, it's about making a difference to people's lives and making sure that they aren't in a situation that I was couple of times in my life where I felt completely alone and didn't have anyone to turn to Mm. so yeah it's it's been it's been a good move the other thing about the services is we also gain data as well about how many people are using it and what particular issues they're coming with right so it's completely confidential but but we're able to see what demographic of people we're also able to see what the common uh, common trends are and that will again allow the burnt chef project to be in a better position to provide information to the industry so that we can start to impact a, a meaningful change within the, the trade really yeah well that that makes sense right i mean you you might as well go where you're needed the most yeah exactly i mean we did a study back in may 2020 of uh, close to 1300 people which i still think is one of the largest studies of mental health within hospitality it was a, uh, an anonymous survey that we put out mm. and what surprised me about that survey was out of 1,300 mixed demographic of front of house and back of house, we found that 82 or 84% of individuals, so eight out of 10 individuals, had experienced at least one issue with their mental health during their career within hospitality. Right. Yeah, I actually saw that stat on your um, on your website and, and wanted to, to ask you about that because it's um, that's alarmingly high. Yeah, it is. It's it's scarily high. I know through personal relationships with friends and and clients, the impact that working in hospitality has had on their lives and had on their health. But you never really know unless you can take a macro viewpoint on on how that is. And this survey was a great opportunity to be able to get a, a broad spectrum of individuals across the industry to completely anonymously talk about a subject matter that previously has been so heavily stigmatized it's uh, it's not something that would be easy to discuss publicly mm. so that study showed some quite interesting information i mean it showed that over 60 percent of those people had experienced three or more instances of, of mental health issues whilst working in the trade so you know when the nhs say that that's one in four or it should be one in four that's an you know that's a scarily high number of people that are in a position where they could do with some assistance yeah but it also begs a much larger question as to why those you know why hospitality is experiencing higher levels than perhaps you know the average industry would do so that's been very much our our gearing towards over the last last year it's it's been you know how do we get to the root causes of what's going on here and how do we impact a meaningful change a long-term change so that that number reduces even just to 50 percent you know, we we need to take a long, hard look at exactly what's causing these issues and, and establish a, a way forward so that we don't have to provide such high levels of support to individuals because the problems don't exist. Yeah, yeah well, that, that, that feels like a completely logical conclusion. And I think if, you know, if we are to become as an industry the, the best place to come and work, then we have to 
absolutely fundamentally deal with the problems that we have head on. And it feels like you know, that by kind of commissioning these studies, if you if you want to call it that, and 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 getting some better data in actually what the the issue is uh, and where it sits, is that knowing this information allows us to be able to to deal with it and and work towards improving it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a data kind of guy, especially working in sales. I'm all about figures and facts. You know, I don't like working with ifs and buts and maybes. I like to work with concrete data, and that's been very much one of the drives that I've had since we started. So, the more information that we can get about a subject matter that previously, you know, is is treated with, in many cases, disdain in in hospitality, then you know, the the better we are able to be able to direct individuals and direct businesses in order to make meaningful changes. And I think, you know, for anyone out there that is perhaps listening as to, right, you know, why is mental health an issue within hospitality? I think that we just need to take a step back and perhaps look at biologically who we are and what we're built to do. And, you know, our bodies are react, designed to react to outside stimuli. And you know, stress is a fight or flight response that we were provided with or given or evolved with, depending on your point of view, to be able to survive. Um, we either run away from uh, an attacker or a threat, or we turn and fight. Mm. And over the years, you know, our outside influences have developed, you know, social media, driving, noise, all of these different stimuli now are, are eliciting a stress response on our bodies, which really isn't, you know, we don't need to be stressed at this moment in time because we, a lot of us are living quite fairly comfortably, but it's still there. Now, to take that a step forward, and when you look at hospitality and the conditions that people are working in, and I'm not saying that every all conditions are bad and it's not a sweeping statement at all, but I think that what we need to understand is that when the human body is put through 12-hour shifts or 14-hour shifts, and those 14-hour shifts go for six, seven, eight, nine days back-to-back, in often hot environments, noisy environments, under quite strict time constraints, then naturally our bodies are going to respond to that with stress. Yeah. Sustained stress leads to burnout and leads to long-term mental health issues. So I think, you know, for anyone out there who's thinking, right, well, how do we how do we actually get this fixed? Then I think we just need to look at what the stresses are within any particular environment, whether that's at home, whether that's at work, and start to challenge, you know, what is causing stress and not necessarily stress for me, but using studies and using uh, anonymous surveys within the workplace to be able to identify exactly where the levels of stress are coming from. And, you know, stress can also be caused by people feeling like they've got no control over their work, or the demands are too high, or they're not, you know, they don't have the resilience, they're not properly skilled enough. And, and these can all cause stress as well. So there's many different things and there's no one size fits all. But again, it's gathering that data to be able to respond appropriately to, to something that's causing quite a detrimental effect to, to individuals and the industry. Yeah, I suppose the more people that you get that, that sign up, as it were, and, and kind of do learn about you and, and what, what you're doing are more inclined to then give you the information to form even better data to to make decisions on and, and move forward yeah it's i mean let, let, it, it's still a tough subject yeah. you know we've got hundreds of years of, of stigma to to fight mental health really up until the last couple of years has not been something that as a culture that we discuss mm. unfortunately it's taken the loss of some great people some very influential people certainly in the music scene as well you know and the likes of people like anthony bourdain to have the effects of things like suicide, which is still an un uncomfortable word to mention, to for us to start to start to develop this conversation and start to challenge the perceptions of mental health. But you know, realistically, mental health is something that we all have, you know, and it's fluid. And over time, it's good, and, and sometimes it's it's not so good, and that's when mental illness can become part of our lives. But I think you know, just by challenging that stigma. And becoming open with the conversation, we can start to make a, a, a meaningful change. But you know, realistically, and I'm under no illusions, there are many out there who still think it's not a thing; it doesn't exist. It's just because you know you're, you're not able to cope, or or whatever the whatever the the common terms and the stigma terms are that fly around. Mm. 
And we've also got to look at how we address it to those individuals as well. You know, if, if it's business owners out there who are saying, well, actually, you know, mental health is just, yeah, it's one of those things and we'll get over it. You know, we've, we've got data that suggests that you know, retention within hospitality is anywhere between 75 to 100% in terms of turnover rate, which means if you're losing 100% of your staff within 12 months and each staff costs between three and 5,000 pounds to hire, train, you know, put on payroll, then effectively your profit margins are being eaten away because of the fact that you're not looking after the well-being of the staff effectively. Yeah. So then again, it's a different conversation for those who perhaps don't think that mental health is a thing when it is. And then you start to say, well, actually, if you want a successful business in an in a industry that operates on very low net margin, then you need to look after your asset and your asset is the people. Yeah, absolutely. It's not your, your bricks and mortar. It's, um, I actually was going to ask if you think that companies will, as, as awareness grows and pe- more people start getting behind it, because it does feel like more people are beginning to at least enter into the conversation. Do you think that the companies will make this or should be making this a, a part of their kind of overall strategy? 100%. 100%. We are facing not just a national, but a global epidemic. And I'm not talking about the pandemic of COVID. Mm. Mental health is a growing, or mental illness is a growing problem across the world. Uh, Certainly within this country, we felt the effects more so than ever as a result of COVID. You know, that, that, that fear of not knowing what's around the corner, the invisible enemy, the financial impact, the security impact to our ourselves or our family you know we've all had perhaps closer brushes with mental illness than than some of us may ever have had before based on the last year so i think that genuinely the conversation is improving but you know i know when i got into this i knew that i wanted to make a difference to mental health but i still couldn't it took me months of research and daily conversations on the subject matter to get my head around the subject of mental health because up until recently we've not been educated on it yeah you know at school you get taught about physical health and how your biology of your your gut and your lungs and your heart works and you know how to keep fit and, and healthy by doing sports at school but no one ever sits down with you and explains what mental health is and how you can look after your mental health and what mental illness looks like and and how to identify it and so for many of us you know, my generation in their mid thirties, early forties, are now having to learn about this. Generations before us are, you know, trying to get their head around it when perhaps post-war economy was very much stiff up a lip, you know, you keep yourself to yourself and you just keep forging on. So, you know, there's a lot of work going on in, in terms of having to be able to educate people on something that you can't really touch, you can't see, and we're still not entirely comfortable with talking about. So it's, uh, it's definitely a tricky subject to address. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm a, a member of my local roundtable, and roundtable exists for many, many reasons. But one of them is to actually just give sanctuary to young men to just feel like they have a place to to belong, and you can come along and do some good, and be as involved or not as you wish. And I was it wasn't until I got involved with roundtable that I began to understand actually the you mentioned the word suicide earlier on that actually suicide is, is one of the, and possibly even the biggest killer of young men uh, in the UK. And when you learn something like that, that's, I mean, that's shocking to to contemplate that that's, that the world that we live in is not giving people enough options and choices to, to be able to come out of the darkness and, and kind of feel like they can move forward. Yeah. Uh, and you're you're right. You know, factually, the Office for National Statistics has reported year after year after year that men between the ages of eighteen and thirty-four are being killed more to suicide than they are to cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and cancer. Now, if you just think about that for a second and think that actually suicide, which is something that we're not comfortable with talking about yet, is taking more lives than something that we see every single day publicised in front of us and told by our doctors. This, we're still disjointed. We're still so far away yeah. from addressing the actual problem. And that there is just the, the, the recordings. That's just the people that we know about and that are the accurate recordings. Very similar in, in the way that when we started recording COVID deaths, you know, we perhaps weren't calling those correctly. So 
I dread to think what the actual numbers are. And we know that looking for the, you know, looking at figures of suicides by the ONS, they are increasing and they have been now for 10 years. They're increasing year mm. after year. So we as a culture, as a nation, as individuals now need to start really tackling this before someone close to us or, or even ourselves experience this same problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I, I get straight on to your, one of your, your great taglines on your merch. The, um, I'm going to say forget stigma, but it's obviously a stronger word than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you know, it's, it's things like that that I, I think are wonderful because the, um, that's exactly the attitude that we need to have. I think, we, you know, we do need to pluck stigma, for want of a better phrase, because it gets in the way of progress. Massively so. Massively, so we're 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 taught it, you know. It's we're taught it by the media. We're taught it by history. You know, you look at films and you see people with schizophrenia being portrayed as axe wielding maniacs, and you see, you know, if even if you type in mental health in history and you start looking at Google images, you'll see people getting electric shock therapy even as far back as thirty years ago, and people in straitjackets, and people, you know, even the one of our kings of Spain, I think, was getting having his demons exercised and laparoscomies and things like this. And you think, no mm. wonder people don't want to talk about the subject of mental health because we've, you know, anyone says I'm not feeling great or I'm, you know, I think I'm mentally unwell, has got hundreds of years of this this stigma and fear and shame to override. And you know, in order for us to do that, and it's like most things in life, you have to create enough forward momentum and energy to break past that resistance. And we're still away from that yet. So, you know, the more people that join up with the Burnt Chef project and prepare to share their stories and hear conversations like this, the more that they realise that it's just a normal part of life, you know, and it's something that you shouldn't be ashamed or fearful of because ultimately if you can get help for it, it, you can either A, live with it or B, recover from it. And I firmly believe that. I think what I love about it as well is that, that this comes from a place of complete authenticity because you've obviously experienced it yourself. But, you know, even when you were talking about that, I was th recounting moments in my own life around, you know, the days where you just wake up and go, I just can't, I can't do it today. For whatever reason, I don't know why, but I just I don't have the drive or the energy to do anything other than sit on my backside. Uh, I can't even think about what to cook uh, or, or anything like that, you know. And thankfully, in my world, I have these days very, very intermittently. But I could pretty I, I'm guessing what we're saying is, is that pretty much everyone out there, however successful or happy they may appear, is that they're having these days, too. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think we need to differentiate. And the question that I get asked a lot by business owners are like, look, I've had bad days. I feel like I, you know, I want to stay in bed, but I just get up and get on with it. Mental health issues and mental health, yeah, mental illness problems are those feelings. We all have bad days. You know, we all have those days where, as you say, you need just need to be kind to yourself and give yourself a bit of time off. These are signals. These are signs that we as human beings are probably, you know, we need to relax and we need to try and take some time for ourselves to recoup and let our brains and our bodies recover a little bit. Where it becomes a problem is where that feeling goes on for two, three, four, five, six weeks, a month, a year, and that's an ongoing feeling. Mm -hmm. And then that starts to point to, to other, you know, other problems. You know, that could be as a result of your environment. It could be as a result of your financial situation. It could be as a result of something that's happened to you in the past. But either way, until we get comfortable with being able to talk about this and being able to put our hand up and ask for help, we can't get to the root cause of the problem, which, yeah, you know, is ironic because if you have a chest infection or if you've got COVID, the first thing you'll do is you'll phone up the doctor or the hospital and ask for help. But we can't do that with something that's causing a systemic problem to health everywhere really yeah no absolutely great what you've got on your your website you're you obviously are a podcaster as well talk to me about that was that a natural evolution or is it something that you had in your your overall your mind when you came up with the idea in the first place it wasn't something that i'd ever considered before i mean don't get me wrong spending 
you know, four hours a day commuting in a car, I've listened to my fair share of podcasts. In fact, I, I probably live off of podcasts and uh, TED Talks and other various, you know, various audio feeds. So for me, I love, yeah. I absolutely love podcasts, but I never ever thought that I would be hosting my own. And it was only when, you know, members of the community said, oh, you know, you should do a podcast and you should speak openly about this on a podcast. And I thought, oh, you know what, I just, you know, firstly, it's again pushing yourself out of that comfort zone because it's one thing, you know, getting some courage and, and having the, I don't know, having the courageous opportunity to be able to set up a, a business where we talk openly about mental health, but then doing it on a podcast, having to deal with everything that comes with that, including the editing and the hosting and all this other stuff. It's, it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was certainly an uncomfortable thing to do, but what became very apparent is that it was very well received very quickly. You know, we launched band back end of December. Um, so this is the Burn Chef Journal, which is a, a podcast where I just, you know, I just wanted to interview individuals and who would talk openly about their mental health, um, whether good, bad, also, you know, looking at inspirational stories and life lessons learned. And very quickly, you know, we, we went from interviewing some of my friends, some of my, um, my ambassadors, some of the followers of the Burnt Chef Project, to getting people like Sat Baines and Paul Ainsworth, and Claire, yeah. Claire Smith and Matt Abe, who's worked with Gordon Ramsay for like countless years. And, you know, we started then to actually start eating into more well-known uh, individuals who, again, were quite happy to address this particular subject matter. And that has been incredible for the burn chef project it's been amazing for the individuals who who listen we regularly get messages from people who are saying how inspiring it is to hear open conversation and how you know they you know if they manage a team they've they've contacted to say you know we're, we're like looking to introduce some of the measures that we've, just, we've heard and try and make a difference to our staff so it's actually been for something that wasn't an intention of mine from the get-go it's been so valuable for for both us and the community. Yeah. Well, and, and as you say, yet I mean, you've had some phenomenally interesting conversations, and I think as well that uh, I think it's it's one thing to have people that you know and uh, who are perhaps not well known, but when you start getting people who do have uh, a hell of a following, then that helps you get your message to a wider audience. I would imagine. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, everything about the Burnt Chef project ever since the day dot when I was taking photos was all about organic reach. So, my marketing head was thinking: if I take photos of of hospitality professionals and chefs specifically, we know that chefs have egos, right? You know, they we're creatures of passion and pride. You know, we like to put our our creative flair onto plates or into drinks within hospitality. And we take pride in making other people happy, but we also like, you know, we take pride in ourselves. So by taking photos of individuals, they then shared them with their friends and family on social media. And then they would start asking questions about what that photo was about and what it meant. Then we move on to the merchandise and the merchandise was aimed to raise money to be able to enable me to put in place some of the things that we've done so far. But again, it asks questions. You know, you walk into a, a kitchen with a Burnt Chef, stigma, Burnt Chef top on or a Fuck Stigma t-shirt and they say, oh, what's this whole Burnt Chef thing about? Oh, what's it about? You know, and then it starts a dialogue and it starts a conversation. So everything mm. has all been about organic reach and spreading the message. And this podcast just further helps that. And especially with the guests that we've had on, you know, it again, allows us to reach more people. And with 3.2 million people in the UK and 72 million people worldwide, you know, we have got our work cut out for us and we really do need that help in order to be able just to hopefully just reach that one person who, you know, up until they hear about us thought that they might have been alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, I absolutely love your merch. Uh, and we talked about this before we turned the microphone on. There's a kind of a, a methodology around the uh you, you, the caliber and standard of your of your merch and you've you've definitely made a fan out of me thank you yeah so the last thing i ever wanted was thousands of angry knife wielding chefs coming at me because the uh, you know the tops falling apart within two minutes or uh yeah you know the the coffee cups you know, split because it got hot you know so for me it's about creating a product that people can wear with pride but also enjoy and feel comfortable with and really make the most out of so you know we use 
reputable ethical suppliers for our clothing. So our, some of our t-shirts are Anthem and they're organic cotton and vegan certified. You know, people, Gildan, who are another company as well, they, you know, they've got a very strong ethical policy. Um, but we also sell products that are geared towards well-being. So I've custom designed the uh, Mise Journal, which is a well-being journal, basically, which up until yeah. a year ago, I used to think was a bunch of hocus pocus writing down you know, it's like being a te- teenage <laughs> teenage girl writing down your thoughts and feelings in a in a little diary. But it is so cathartic, and there's something about putting pen to paper and writing, even if it's just positive affirmations or writing down your you know your your targets for the day or keeping track of your nutrition or how much water you've drunk. That helps provide yeah. a consistent approach to your daily life that actually has such a positive impact on your overall well being. So. Yeah, you know, it's products like that that I'm. I wanted to, you know, even if they were good quality or made a difference to people and individuals, and I think that that's you know that's going to be the continuing theme over the next couple of years, really. Yeah, brilliant. It also demonstrates that um, that women have always known far more than we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know what? I think now more than ever within hospitality, we need to start really paying attention to how we look at women within our industry i think now more than yeah. ever you know we're we're a masculine industry a very stoic industry and there's always been this this expectation if women start to work in our industry they need to put up with the same stuff that we do they need to do longer hours and lift heavier bags and all this sort of stuff but i think i think that over the years this has become such an oppressive and bullying culture that we now need to really look at addressing this and you know we can learn a lot you know and this is why why suicide rates in women are genuinely a, a lot lower is because they tend to talk to each other and they're more open. And I think us men can really start to take take note of that and, you know, perhaps even ask for some advice because I think that we uh, we're so new to this particular game. I think we could we could do with all the help we can get, really. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you can you can see, and this is not to stereotype in any way, shape or form, but um, I just looking in my own world, you know, and my wife has a network of lady friends and they all talk to each other with so so much love and support. Whereas as blokes, we're, um, we're a little, certainly blokes of my generation. It's not that we don't support each other, but we, but we definitely verbalise that in very different ways. Yeah. I mean, let, let, we've all heard the term. If you're a man, you, you've heard the term man up or stop being soft or just get on with it. You know, these are things that we've, we've been brought up with these particular terminologies and i'm not saying that these are right for any you know any stretch of imagination playing rugby and working in hospitality you know you're often you know you're often hearing oh you know you've broken your finger just you know man up and get on with it you know or if you're not feeling yeah. great just yeah keep going and you know i played a played an entire match with a snap tendon in my arm and and Oof. again was told Oof. just just oh man up it's nothing you'll be fine but that has a, a huge detrimental effect. And you're right, it's not stereotyping. And, uh, and I don't mean to cast a one size fits all because you know, everything in this life is individual and unique to, to each person, irrespective of your sex or race. And mental health, there's no, you know, no exception to that. But uh, yeah, there's certainly over, over the years, there's been quite a stoic approach to what we deem as alpha males or masculinity that's actually ended up having a, a long-term detrimental impact on us. And I do think that we need to stop using terms like man up and stop using terms like, oh, you know, you'll be fine. Stop being soft because, you know, different people are different and they have different resilience levels and they're you know, different coping strategies. And, you know, I think that we all need to start, we share this planet. We need to start looking at, you know, what works for us might not work for someone else. And we just need to be a little bit kinder, really. Absolutely. And for any of my mates that are listening, I love you all dearly, just in case you're wondering. So what's next? You've obviously you've you've definitely demonstrated proof of concept. I think that's pretty safe to say. So what's what does the future hold for you? Well, I'm on my own worst enemy when it comes to this particular subject matter. <laughs> I guess you know you call it imposter syndrome or whatever you might call it. I would absolutely it destroys me to ever have anyone question what I do. And there have been times where people, you know. I've said, oh, I don't don't want to support you because I don't think you're doing the right thing or I don't know where the money's going to. And, you know, that's I take full responsibility for that because I obviously haven't advertised what I do well enough uh, or where the money's going. And I've, I've learned from that. 
But for me, right. you know, we talk about the podcast, we talk about the bunch of support service, about the training individuals and the training students. And, you know, I think that I could quite easily turn around and say, well, you know, this, this is a good platform and I think it should stay just like it is. But for me, I, I have much grander plans. We are looking at setting chapters up in Australia and America based on demand. Right. The, Brilliant. Yeah, it's not... Well, not brilliant, I suppose, but but brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I'm reluctantly doing it because I, I feel like I haven't. I'm not well enough established in the UK yet to do it. But again, gut instinct tells me it's a good time. Uh, it's a good thing to do, and it can help more people. So that's something that I'm I'm tentatively looking at at the moment. The Burnt Chef Academy goes live in a week or two, and that's a free app and also online on web that you can download and that will have access to mental health resources training resources mental health champion training as well as a lot of the ted talks that i've spoken about that i found quite useful over time uh, and a whole host of other yeah. other things so that's something that we're, we're launching very shortly and then really for me i think the next thing is i really want to start getting into businesses and doing more consultations i want to start really getting into that that core problem with you know the subject of mental health and cultures and start actually addressing it and show business owners that you know they can have healthier businesses but most importantly that we can make tangible difference to people's lives and that we don't have to just do things the way they've been done because that's all we know yeah yeah and that that might mean that i have to start improving the systems that we put in place such as you know getting registered therapists and life coaches on board so that we can start offering one-on-one -on -one support to individuals that need it the most and again, that's something I'm, I'm very open to and you know, I'm certainly considering at this moment in time. But we've, had, we've got some great corporate partners that have come on board, people like Hotel Devan, you know, Baxter Story are looking at joining us and, and you know, really driving this message home. And for anyone else out there who has a business and who's looking at supporting the Burnt Chef Project, you know, we can, we can look at working together to be able to ensure that your staff know that mental health is something that can be openly discussed. So... You know, we're, yeah. we're looking at funding uh, and we're looking at really starting to get really deep into the industry now and start working with as many people as possible. So who knows what the next six, six to 12 months will hold. But, uh, you know, rest assured that I personally give my guarantee I will not rest until we've made a long term and sustainable difference to this industry. Fantastic. Uh, that's great. Look, you've you've absolutely made a fan out of me and, and anything that that I can do with my humble little community where i'll happily get behind in any way that that looks like thank you i mean just having the opportunity to talk on this platform is fantastic and uh, you know again we can reach an audience that perhaps might not have heard about us and start a conversation that again might you know might be unfamiliar um, but comforting to hear about so yeah i mean if anyone is interested in finding out more they can head over to the burnt chef project website which is www.theburntchefproject.com or do follow us on social media as well because we put a lot of posts up on Instagram and Facebook primarily. But of course, you can find our, our podcast on Spotify and iTunes and all those other good places that you listen to podcasts as well. Perfect. Well, look, thank you very much for coming on and, and sharing your your story and and talking so openly about about your own battles and, and troubles as well. I, I find real value in that. And I wish you all the very best for, for the next chapter. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Pleasure speaking to you. Take care. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. And there we have it. I, for one, am in awe of the work that Chris has done so far in such a short time. If you feel you can relate to any of the topics we discussed today, then please get yourself over to www.theburntchefproject.com and reach out directly. Please also do this if you feel you could help and support the campaign and share this podcast to every corner of the industry. The more people we reach the more great work Chris can do. We'll be back next Wednesday at 8pm with more stories from hospitality, but until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.